0: Um, today's scripture reading is taken from Titus chapter 2 verses 3 to 5 and 11 to 14. i will be reading from the english standard version verse 3 older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior not slanderers or slaves to much wine they are to teach what is good and to train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is God's word.
1: Thanks, Zen, for reading scripture to us. Uh, Let's pray before we come to the word together. Let's all pray. Gracious Father, we thank you so much for how you are God who speaks. We thank you that you speak from generation to generation and you speak clearly. Oh Father, we pray that you would help us to listen to you, help us to respond to you with hearts that are alive by your spirit, hearts that are eager to trust and obey you to do your will. So Father, we pray that you fill us with wisdom, fill us with understanding, uh, grant us strength to do what is pleasing in your sight. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. Right, today we want to give thanks for the best friends in our midst, the multitasking queens, <laughs> the superheroes and wonder women. <laughs> I think we want to give thanks to God for our mothers. I think we, it's scriptural that we honour our mothers. I mean, the Bible tells us to do so, and it's fitting that we do so today, uh, given that it's Mother's Day. And I think for all of us, we, we realise that mothers nurture us in many ways. They not only care for our physical needs, but I think for many of us, our mothers also feed us spiritually, for which we are thankful. Uh, I think the Apostle Paul says this of Timothy, right, his young protege, and he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. You know, Timothy's faith was the legacy of several generations of godly mothers, And then these women, they faithfully passed the gospel on to their children and to their children's children. Yet I'm also aware that Mother's Day can be a painful day for some of us. Maybe not so much a day of celebration and thanksgiving, but a day of pain perhaps. Some of us may have lost children. Some of us may have estranged parents, estranged mothers, or estranged children. You know, some of us may have been unable to have children. Or maybe some of us struggle with singleness. And you know, every time Mother's Day comes around, you know, Mother's Day is difficult because Mother's Day is a day where we are reminded of what we don't have. But this is why Scripture speaks to even those of us who struggle on Mother's Day. Scripture tells us that you know, if, if we are in Christ, we have been saved into a spiritual family. So what does that mean? It means that for, for the women in our midst, you know, not, not all the women may be biological mothers, but all the women can be spiritual mothers. And that's the promise that Scripture holds out to every single woman who is in Christ. And this is, this is what we want to honour today as well. Not just biological mothers, but women in our midst who, who labour and serve for the good of the body. And in fact, if we are in Christ, we have been saved into this new spiritual family. And we could say that even these, these spiritual relationships will outlast even the biological ones. You know, I had a I have a Christian friend who I mean when she was not married, I mean, she was very intentional in building relationships with just the families in the church. She got to know many families, uh, you know, helped with caring for the kids in, in various ways, and it was just present in the lives of many families. And I remember she said this very striking thing to Claire and I once. And she said, I may be single, but I have many spiritual children. I mean, what what a testimony of faith that this young woman had. So it's fitting that we thank God today for the faithful women in our midst, not just the mothers, not just the biological mothers, but indeed the, the women whom God has placed in our lives to help us to grow in the faith. They may be a wife, a family member, a good friend, a neighbour, a colleague at work, a teacher, a fellow church member. You know, why not take a moment now to give thanks in your heart for them? I give you permission to send a message out also if you want to. Job you know, them a WhatsApp message, take out your phones. Uh, you probably have your phones out already. <laughs> just send them a message, to thank, I thank God for you. you know, I really thank God for you. So our text focuses not, not just on biological mothers, but our text today focuses on how women are to live in God's family. But men, you know, I think there are lessons here for us as well, so don't tune out. You know, this is not just for the women in our midst, but for all of us as God's family. So two, two big points, how women are to live in God's family and how we are together to live in God's family. And the outline is in your ministry guide. You know, Paul speaks to two groups of women in the church here in this passage, you know, the, the older women and the younger women. You know, and that's a sensitive question, right? Because if I ask who are the older women, Maybe not many women would want to put up their hands. So you may be wondering which category do you belong to, right? Are you older women or are you a younger woman? You know, I would say it depends, right? Because think about it, in some relationships, uh, you are the older woman. But in other relationships, with different people, you may be the younger woman, right? So it depends on, on, on who you are sort of, in relationship with. So, I think this, 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 this kind of captures the kind of relationships that God wants us to build in God's family, not, not just with our peers, but with older and younger people. This is natural for God's family. So, there are times when you are an older woman, times when you are a younger woman, being encouraged by someone else. And what does God want of women in his family? Now, what does God want the women to be? Uh, Really, godliness is crucial, right? God wants older women to be godly, and He says it's like the older men, right? If you look at verse two, uh, Paul describes what the older men should be, and then after that, he says, "Likewise, in the same way, women are to be like this as well." So, what are they to be? Clear-minded, sober-minded, clear-minded, about following Jesus. They are to live thoughtfully, not carelessly. They are to be sound in faith, sound in love, sound in steadfastness. All you know, the women are to be reverent in behavior. You know, the word, the word reverent is an interesting word. You know, the word reverent literally means uh, like a priest, right? This is the only time this word appears in the whole New Testament. You know, the women are to be like a priest. You know, and that's not surprising right? because the Bible calls all of God's people to be a holy priesthood. What does it mean to be a priest? I think as a priest, we represent God in His world. How do we do that? By speaking His truth and reflecting His holy character. So Paul says to the women, uh, you are to live in a way that shows that you worship God. Live in a way that shows that you know God, that you belong to Him and you serve Him through Jesus Christ, reverend. You know, older women are not to slander or gossip. You know, I just started watching Yancy Palace. <laughs> so those, of you, those of you who know Yancy Palace, don't be like the women in Yancy Palace, basically. <laughs> right? All the court intrigue, the gossip and slander that goes on in the Forbidden City, so, so don't be like that. right? So older women are not to slander or gossip, but instead, you know, God wants older women to use their words not to tear down, but to build up That's what what it means to not slander, not just not saying bad things, but actually saying things to give life, saying things to bring encouragement. And of course, this is true not just for the women, but for for the men as well. Do our words give strength? Or do they cause broken relationships? Women are not to be slaves to much wine, just meaning that they are not to be self-indulgent. All the women are to live for God's pleasure and not to gratify their own selfish desires. So Paul is saying to the women, hey, submit to God. Yield yourself cheerfully to God. Follow Him. Let Him direct and lead your life. Let Him shape your desires and your passions. Don't don't let alcohol or anything else control your life. So godliness is crucial. And point B Women are to train one another for godliness. So This is how women are to live in God's family. You know, Titus 2, I want us to all really pay attention. Titus 2 makes a really important point about discipleship that we mustn't miss. So biblical discipleship involves different generations. It's important, right? Different generations encouraging one another. That's the biblical model of discipleship. Different generations. And if you look around, you know, I think one thing that I'm really thankful for is we have a church with different generations. You know, I, I, I've been to churches where the, the pastors tell me I, I, we're praying for more younger people or we're praying for more older people to come in our midst. Why? Because I think they understand that the pattern for biblical discipleship happens across generations, it doesn't just uh, happen within a, a demographic group. Right? That is the model that Titus two presents us with. Different generations encouraging one another. So, friends, we, we have a, a unique advantage because we are we have different generations here. The question is whether, the, as different generations, are we actually discipling one another? But we do have a precious opportunity. Older women are to exemplify godliness and to teach younger women what is good. You now what makes a Christian worth learning from? It's not simply their age. It's not simply their life experience. You now what makes a Christian worth learning from is their godliness. Their godliness. And you know there's something especially beautiful about godliness sort of grown and honed through the seasons of life. I recently watched a, a cooking program on Teochew Cooking. I'm Teochew, so I like Teochew Cooking. Uh, you know, they talked about olives. Teochew you know, like eating olives. So what do you do with olives? You know, when you pluck them from the tree, olives are kind of hard, you know, green and hard. No, they're not very nice to eat because it's a bit sour, bitter. So what do they do? They, they soak olives for a long time in water, you know, a couple of hours. And after that, they take the olives out And they put it in a slowly boiling stock. They boil again for a number of hours. What does that do? After that long process of soaking, boiling, the the olives lose their bitterness. The olives lose their sourness. And they become sweet. They become good to eat. The, The fibers of the olive soften with time. They don't harden, they soften. And then after all those hours of preparation, the olives are good. Right? I think that's a really good metaphor for the Christian life. I think that's why older believers have such a wonderful opportunity to disciple younger ones. Because you've been through the seasons of life. Right? You've, you've been through soaking. <laughs> you've been through slow boiling. You know, you've become softer. Hopefully we are softer, not harder. Right? We're not kind of prickly and hard, but, but our, our hearts are softer to God. And for that reason, I think there's something beautiful about older believers coming alongside younger believers and helping them to, to learn what it means to follow God across time, across the seasons of life. Now, to change the imagery a bit, God wants us to be fine wine, right? aged well, not vinegar, it's becoming more and more sour over time. You know, I'm sure many of us will feel inadequate as we think about these things, right? It's like, oh gosh, you know, am I, am I really suited to be this kind of godly person? And, and it's good that we feel inadequate. Because why? Because it's not about us being good enough in our own strength. You know, as, as Ern read for us from Titus 2:11 to 14, Jesus is the one who makes us godly. It says very clearly in Titus 2, 11-14, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, including women, older women, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ, who gave himself. He gave himself not because we are Good people, but he gave himself to save us from our sins, to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So this is good news for us, right? That, that we, we are able to encourage one another in, in these ways, spoken of in Titus two, not not because we ourselves are, are good Christians, right? But but we're able to do these things because the grace of God has appeared. Friends, this is the gospel. The grace of God has appeared and this grace has transformed our lives from the inside out. This this grace is training us to say no to sin and to say yes to godliness. And, And because we have experienced this grace ourselves, we are able to be channels of this grace to the people around us. We're able to soften and grow with age because this grace has appeared. Friends, this is the good news of the gospel that enables us to live as God's family in this way. The the Christians who are are worth following are not those who are self-sufficient, not those who are self-righteous, who have a high estimation of themselves. No, the Christians who are really worth following are those who are broken, And humble, who recognise daily, I am what I am simply by the grace of God. Simply by the grace of God. Now, now those friends are the people worth following, and those are the kind of Christians that we want to be as well. People who are humble before their God. So, what does it mean to teach one another? I mean, that's what Paul says. Right, women teach younger women. Now when we think about teaching here, you know, Paul doesn't just mean sort of formal Bible teaching. He's, you know, he's not talking about like preaching or doing something formal like that. You know, it can be informal too. So not just doing a Bible, doing like a formal Bible study with someone. Teaching can happen in many ways in the life of the church. Right? Teaching can happen when older women and younger women build deeper relationships with one another. You know, when older women are, are vulnerable, as they share the joys as well as the struggles of the Christian life. Teaching happens through that. Teaching happens when women come together informally to read God's word with one another, to help one another apply God's truth to life. Teaching happens through that. Teaching happens when women come alongside one another and bear one another's burdens in times of sorrow and grief. When women come alongside one another and encourage one another as we go through times of suffering. You know, we encourage one another to persevere in Christ. Teaching happens through that as well. Teaching happens through women exhorting one another to turn away from sin and to turn to Christ again and again in faith and obedience. Right? That, that kind of exhortation that we give to one another in our lives. That's teaching. And you realize that truth is taught through our relationships with one another. It's not just from the pulpit, from the front on a Sunday. No, truth is taught through all our relationships, the way we relate to one another in these ways, as we do life together. You know, in, in Scripture, especially in the New Testament church, in fact, Old Testament as well, you realise that hearing the Word isn't enough. It's not enough to just hear the Word. We, we have to see the Word. How do we see the Word? We, we see the Word in, in the way we live life together. We, we see the Word when we see godly examples in the community. People that we see, yes, you know, when, when I'm 10 years older, I want to be just like that person who loves Jesus and serves Jesus in that way. Right? We, we have to see the Word lived out. Then it makes sense. And I think we, we understand that, right? When we, learn, when we learn a new sport, we don't just read about the sport in a book, right? I, I don't learn how to play tennis by reading lots of books about tennis. but I do? I go to the tennis court, I see people play tennis. And then it makes sense. Oh, so that's what a forehand looks like, right? And it's exactly the same for the Christian life. We hear the word, which gives us the right theology, understanding. But then we need to see this word lift out. And the only way we can see this word lift out is if we are in relationships with one another. Not just casual relationships, but deep, substantial, meaningful relationships, that lead us to spiritual growth. Right? That's how we see the Word. Friends, if, if you are not in community, if, if you are on the fringe, you, know, you kind of come on Sundays but you leave immediately after Sunday, you know, can I just encourage you to stick around a bit more? Get to know some of us a bit better. Maybe think about joining a, a, a small group during the week. You know, because we need to see Christianity lift up. If we are to grow in these ways. And you know, we see this in Scripture, right? Paul talks about imitating, imitating me, and not just Paul, but keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us, right? Keep, your, keep our eyes on good examples. Uh, you know, Claire and I, we, we both didn't come from Christian families. You know, We, we got married, and, and you know, we moved to the States immediately after our wedding, about three days after the wedding, and you know, we were completely new, had no idea what married life would be like, had no idea what parenting would be like, because our parents were not Christians when we were growing up. So we had no categories for the Christian life lived out in family. But what was so helpful for us is that when we arrived at the church, there were godly couples who just walked alongside us. they They weren't like doing Bible studies with us or anything, but they were just living faithfully as husband and wife around us, so we could see them. And there's so much that we've learned about marriage through them because they, they make mix, they, they mix sense of Scripture, because we see Scripture lift up. And then when, when we were getting ready to have kids, we, we, you know, we, we spent time with families who had young children, and, and they, they gave us a very good view for what life would look like with kids in, in a godly home. And we learned a lot of, about parenting from these families. So, so friends, I just encourage us to, to live in this way in community. It's so, it's so precious for us as we build relationships like this. You know, notice Paul doesn't tell Titus to teach the younger women. Instead, older women have unique opportunities here to speak into the lives of younger women in more personal ways. You know, ways that, that men, I think because of temptation and purity, it would be unwise for us to, to be involved with younger women in, in such personal ways. But the older women, have unique opportunities to do so. So, women, you have a vital role. You all have a vital role in extending the ministry of the word. You know that the elders can do so much, the preacher can do so much. But women, you, you have the role of really expanding, extending the ministry of the word across more of the church. For those of us who you know are maybe older. Now, are we, are we tempted to retire from serving simply because we are older? You know, for those of us who are older, do we feel less important in the life of the church? Do we feel as if the church is getting younger and so the church is kind of passing us by like the rest of society? I mean, we live in a society that prizes youth. And growing old in a society that prizes youth is very, very challenging. And, and we fear that the same thing may be happening in the church. And, and it discourages us. I, mean, I get that. It's discouraging. Uh, but we, we really need to listen carefully to Titus 2. Right? Because Titus 2 says, God has entrusted the older believers. The older believers with the crucial task of helping younger believers. You know, If, if you're a young person, I think, we, we, we as younger people, I think we need to humble ourselves as well and, and to say, I need, I need the wisdom of older believers in my life. I haven't got the Christian life figured out. I, I shouldn't just hang around with my peers. But, but I need to kind of humble myself right, in a way and say, I need to build these relationships with older people and seek their counsel and their wisdom as well because this is what Titus 2 talks about. Right, the older and younger believers are meant to work together in this way and in doing so, the older believers are enabled to finish well. Right, what does it mean to finish well? To finish well in Scripture means to pass on a legacy of biblical faith and life to the next generation. Friends, that's what it means to finish well. Not just to enjoy retirement, but to pass on very intentionally, biblical faith and life. And, and the only way we can do that is if we as an older person have relationships with younger people. And only if younger people have relationships with older people. Right? Otherwise, we can't, we can't obey Psalm 78. Right? We will not hide them from their children but tell to the coming generation. How do we do that? How do we tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord? If we don't have relationships with the coming generation and his might and the wonders that he has done, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments. I think a very obvious way to do this is to teach in Sunday school. Right? I think that's the most obvious way to obey Psalm 78 teaching children. So older women are to train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. So so the goal of training, the goal of teaching is not more Bible knowledge. The goal of teaching and training is practical godliness. Godliness lived out in everyday life, right? Work, marriage, marriage and family, right? That's that's the goal of training, is practical godliness in work, marriage and family. So, So how we live as a husband, how we live as a wife, how we live as a parent or as a child says a lot about whether we are truly godly or not. It's not about how much you serve in church. It's about how are you in the home? How are you with your wife? How are you with your husband? Right? That, that's, that's where godliness is most clearly displayed. And that's why Paul tells the older women, you have to train the younger women to, to do this, to, to follow godliness in these ways. This to display Christ in our families. And and friends, the, the women need constant encouragement to follow God's call to love their husbands in these ways. To love their husbands and their children. You know, we, we need we need to acknowledge that we in our culture, the, the two-income family is very, very prevalent, right? It's, it's, it's acceptable, and, and our culture tends to devalue what women do in the home, right? I think, I think the, the, the culture kind of definitely places more emphasis on what you do outside in your career. You know, sometimes the work that women do in a home, the very important work that women do in a home is, is devalued and diminished in the eyes of the world. So so women need encouragement. Women need older women coming alongside them, being godly models of biblical womanhood, encouraging them to to live out the Christian life in faith, in the home, in their work. Working at home doesn't mean that a woman can't work outside the home, but but rather the, 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 the phrase working from home makes the point that whatever work a woman does, is for the good of her marriage and her children. She, she's caring for her home, even as she works outside. You know, Proverbs 31, the, the wise woman works outside, but it's really for the good of her home. Proverbs 31. So older women can encourage younger women to work in this way, not for self-centered reasons, but for, for the purpose of serving God and serving their families, if they have families in the home. And to be submissive to their own husbands doesn't mean wives are inferior in any way. Rather, a wife by by trusting God. So by following his design for marriage. That, that's how she submits cheerfully to her husband. So a woman is not called to suppress her gifts and abilities, but rather to fully use them. To fully use them out of love for her husband, out of love for her children that that's what it means to be submissive to their own husbands you know i i i cite claire as an advantage i don't i don't mean to embarrass her but i definitely married up right i mean i'm i'm so grateful for all her gifts and all her abilities i mean she works outside the home but her heart is always for us you know myself and my two boys, and I'm so grateful for that. And she's definitely a lot more accomplished than I am in many, many ways. You know, but, but she's using all her gifts and, and her abilities to not, not, for her, not for her own selfish gain, but for the good of us together as a family, serving God together, loving Him together. And that's exactly what Titus, uh, or that's what, that's what Paul wants Titus to teach the women in the church. Right? You live in this way, and together in your marriages, together in your families, you, you glorify God. You display His goodness. So your marriage matters. Your parenting matters. So why does godliness matter so much? Right? Look, at, look at the second half of verse 5. It's so that the word of God may not be reviled. Friends, right? nothing calls God's word into question more than an ungodly Christian. So why would non-Christians want to believe the gospel if they don't actually see it changing lives? Right? If, if, if a non-Christian sees an ungodly Christian, and friends, the, this non-Christian is right, you know, or, or you can see how they're justified in blaspheming the Word of God. Friends, is, is there anything in our lives and relationships that deny the gospel? Godliness gives credibility to God's Word. You know, godliness makes the Gospel beautiful. So what, what, what lessons do we, can we draw from the rest of us? Right? You know, not just the women, but how do we live together in God's family? That's the second big point. I think the key lesson for us, both men and women, is that we need spiritual friendships with one another to grow in godliness. So the normal Christian life, the normal Pattern for the Christian life is is lived in community. It's lived in the web of all these kinds of relationships. Biblical discipleship is not a program that we participate in. Some do, some don't. No, it's not a program. But biblical discipleship is a pattern. It is a pattern of church life that involves all of God's people, encouraging one another in godliness. This is what it means to be a Christian, this is what it means to be a Christian in community, as a member of a local church. We're in this together. We don't come as consumers, but we come as co-laborers, as we work with one another to strengthen the whole body of Christ in godliness. So, So as we think about our relationships with one another, I think many of us have many relationships with one another, how then do we do our relationships? What do we we focus on? Really, our goal is godliness. Godliness should be the goal. And if godliness is the goal, then what kind of fruit are we expecting to see in our relationships? If the goal is godliness, then what should we be looking for in our relationships with one another? I think very obvious ones would be, we, we will be encouraging one another to say no to sin. We will be encouraging one another to say yes to godliness. We'll be encouraging one another to trust God in tough times. We'll be encouraging one another to be zealous for love and for good works. Friends, God didn't bring us together just to socialize. We're here for one another's godliness, not personal comfort, not convenience, not self-centered happiness. But He's brought us together because we have this precious opportunity, this precious calling to promote godliness among us. God wants us to love one another more, even more. So much so that we are willing to speak His truth to one another even when it's awkward to do so. Because we want to speak the truth in love. God wants us to be humble and open to others, to to listen when others lovingly point out the sin in our lives. Another thing to learn for our relationships is that we need to cultivate relationships across generations. I know we have age-specific ministries in the church and age-specific ministries are helpful but we also need to acknowledge that age-specific ministries are not enough. They are limited and they have natural limitations in our discipleship. Because biblical discipleship involves cultivating deeper spiritual friendships across age lines, older and younger. And I think the whole church would benefit when we have these sorts of relationships. The church is better for it. You know, it's easy to be comfortable with friends of a similar age. But I think the challenge that I have for us from from this word is, is how are we going beyond our affinity groups? How are we going beyond the groups that we are most comfortable with and and building relationships that cross demographic age lines? It's not about whether we want to focus on the younger people or we want to focus on the older people. It's not that at all. But rather what we want to do as a church is to help everyone be involved in these kinds of relationships with one another, to help one another grow in the faith. It's not about whether you're older or younger. It's about how we can we work together to promote godliness among all of us. Friends, finally, we, we show the Gospels' uniting power through these kinds of relationships. Right? God's grace has appeared to redeem us, to become one people in Christ. So friends, how, how do our relationships with one another show the Gospels' power to bring us together? Especially those of us who are different you know, from one another. How? Can we show the, the uniting power of the gospel in bringing us into relationship with one another in these ways? So friends, encourage us to move towards one another, right? to, to maybe do something simple, right? to even sit in a different place on Sundays, whether in the hall here or downstairs on Level 3. Sit in a different place so that you meet someone new. Talk to someone you haven't spoken to before. Talk to someone older. Talk to someone younger. And think about you know, pray for wisdom, pray for humility, pray for grace to love uh, remarkably, love in ways that this world finds difficult to understand. As we run, as we cut across lines, as we build relationships across the generation gaps and help one another grow in godliness. Finally, I, want to, I just want to acknowledge the, the many women in GBC, you know, many, many of you, many of you, serve in these ways that Titus 2 describes. And on behalf of the elders, I just want to give thanks to all of you for the amazing work that you do in our midst. Uh, women, you are an example for the men of GBC to follow. And the men, we should acknowledge that. We should really give thanks to the women in our midst. You know, your, your lives of humble service really show the reality of the gospel's transforming power. And that's the way it should be. You know, indeed, a, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So in, in closing, uh, I'd like to invite two good examples of, of godly women in our midst to kind of share a bit about what they do and to just encourage the rest of us to give thanks to God as well as to know that there are really good, faithful women in our midst who are laboring for the good of the body. And and men, there's much we can learn from their examples. Uh, So I'd like to invite Mel Swang and Bibiana up, just ask them a few questions and then we're going to pray for the women in GBC. Come, don't be shy, come on. (laughs) Oh, Miao Shuang is a bit nervous, so let's kind of encourage her a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys can use the mic.
2: More nervous, More nervous when you clap. clap huh?
1: <laughs> okay, sorry, don't clap. <laughs> okay, Miao Shuang, tell us a bit about yourself and how you're involved in encouraging other women in the church.
2: My name is Miao Shuang. Um, I'm leading the Golden Girls. Mm-hmm. Bible study group Uh, for the past 16 years. uh, The age group is from 60 to 90. Uh, We meet every first Wednesday and third Wednesday of the month. Um, So if you want to see yourself turning from bronze to silver (laughs) and to gold, both uh, physically and spiritually, please join us. Uh, you are welcome to the, uh, to join us. Uh, currently, we are studying Psalms one one nine. Each time we meet, we will study eight verses. Uh, we intend to finish it, uh, finish the one hundred and seventy six verses in one mm. year.
1: Fantastic. Yep. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, Bibiana, tell us a bit about what you. Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do in the life of the church.
3: Okay, cool. Hi, uh, I'm Bibiana, and uh, I am working as a research engineer uh, in the weekdays. Um, and when I try to find time, uh, what I do in church is I am part of the Young Adults Ministry, which is broadly for uh, young adults from 19 to 25. But I say that broadly because uh, some of us are not in that age category. Um, but what we do is we try to do discipling um, in both formal and informal ways. So formal would be you know having a small group. So I have a small group of um girls that are from within that category and we meet regularly to do bible studies um also yeah uh, that's that's the main bulk of it and uh, i try to do some informal um, discipling which is more um ad hoc i guess so just meeting people for short durations just Mm. having a meal um and also um, because we're all very busy so i we do try to keep in touch in the week um through like whatsapp and stuff. So when somebody is, I mean, that I I think is also very helpful to just ask for a prayer request or when we're struggling with things, um, just stresses or just emotions and things Mm. like that. That's Mm. that's a very helpful way of just keeping in touch with Mm. each other.
1: Amen. That's a good example of just living out Titus 2. Miao Miao, Swang, you've you've done this for a while. So what encouraging fruit have you seen among the women that you've been serving in this way?
2: I think um, their faithfulness to God and uh, their eagerness to want to stay in the Word of God What made them significant and what made them go and uh, um, beautiful? Mm. Um, And also, um, the only thing that turns hard when you get older is hard of hearing. (laughs) (laughs) So, so hard of hearing. (laughs) Okay, Okay, you can't hear already, right? So, hard of hearing and also uh, eyes filling them. Right? So, um, but despite that, uh, I'm so encouraged to see that, you know, even at age 80, mm. uh, some of them are still taking bus, taking public tra- transport to come and join us every Wednesday, uh, no, uh, two Wednesday a month. Uh, that's very encouraging. Mm. Mm. And uh, also, um, they have uh, stayed in a group from 60 to 80, From 70 to 90. Mm. uh, And for me, from 40 to 60. (laughs) So you know my age now. Um,
1: (laughs) That's quite a wide band, 40 to 60.
2: (laughs) Okay, I still look young, right? Okay. Now, um, to stay young, you stay in the Word of God, okay? So, um, you know, despite all this, I mean, our prayer request is mainly about medical checkup, okay? And seeing doctors, including myself. So um, our prayer for... This group is to pray that God continue to grant us uh, health and uh, mm. good health. Mm. Uh, one of our members cannot join us for one time, the last time, and also cannot come uh, for service twice already because she's uh, not well, she's sick. Uh, so pray for our Auntie Joyce Viper mm. that she'll mm. come to worship God next yeah. Sunday.
1: And, and if there are any of you who might be able to provide transport or be even willing to visit Joyce in her home, uh, you know, maybe come talk, come talk to Miao Swang. I mean, that's a good ministry opportunity right there. Yeah, uh, thank you for doing that. Maybe, Anna, tell us a bit you, know, you are, I'm just going to call you a younger woman. So, as a younger woman, how have you benefited from the ministry of older women in the church? Mm-hmm. And, and maybe kind of end off with telling us how we can pray for the women in GBC as well.
3: Okay. Uh, I think I've benefited mainly from some of these informal gatherings. So, like, just having dinner to some of these um, older women. Like, I've had dinner with Auntie Miao Swang once, and it was really um, fun, um, but it's also just interesting to just hear from a different perspective and sometimes it doesn't mean like, oh we have to sit down and like, you know, study the Bible for two hours even though that is good, but I think I've benefited a lot from just having dinners and just having casual conversations and then just hearing um, just people that are not in my age group or not yeah, like people that I don't really encounter, just sharing the many ways that God has been working in their lives so it could be just seemingly small things like, oh just trusting God for for, for providing them with uh certain things and then God has and I think that's always wonderful to, to also see that God works in many many big and small ways and um, sometimes when I'm younger and working and it's just like all about work or all about a certain um, phase of life and that yeah the, these meetings help me to see more of life and more of different things um, yeah but sometimes it's not easy I mean it's scary because it's like awkward right like what do you talk about like it's you know what are you gonna ask me? But I think I've always trusted God. Like and then He's always He's always provided and blessed me so much more after that that meal or that dinner. Mm, yeah. Mm. So. What are
1: your prayers for women of GBC?
3: Oh, uh, okay. I think uh, like what Pastor Eugene said. I think God has placed uh, both men and women in the church, and both men and women in Genesis 1:27 has been said to image God. So I think it's wonderful that we have. Both men and women in church uh, and 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 gbc has many women who are so wonderful with different backgrounds different struggles but different ways that god is writing um, and showing that he is a god that is at work and is at, um, at work transforming life so i just pray that you know more of us can just have opportunities to come up here and share with the rest of the church share with the pastors and the elders um, yeah all the many ways that god is working and um, on that note, yeah, I just also encourage, you know, the men to en- encourage their wives, their brothers, their friends to also do that, and we just have so many ways that we can also show the world God's mm. manifold wisdom.
1: Amen, amen. Now, uh, what, what do women all rise? We're just going to pray for all of you, and you know, give thanks to God for all of you. So if you women, just stand up. Whether you're a mother or not, just stand up. <laughs> I'm just going to pray for the women in the church. Again, thank you for the ministry that you do among us. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we are so grateful for how you gift us with godly women in our midst. Father, we acknowledge that this is not something that we have done for ourselves, but by your grace that appeared in Jesus Christ, you have raised up many, many godly women to serve, to love, to disciple, to help us grow as a body in Christ. So Father, we, we commit these women to you. We pray that you would give them great confidence in the Gospel, We pray that you fill their hearts with an abiding love for you, love for others. We pray that the the gospel would be fully manifested in their lives, that that their lives would display your wisdom, their lives would display your character, your holiness, and and who you are as a God of love and grace and compassion. Father, we pray for for the men. We, We pray that we would come alongside the women and encourage them as they fulfill this important ministry in our midst. We pray as men, we would also be models of godliness. We pray that we would also give ourselves to love, to disciple, to encourage others in the faith. So Father, we lift up our church to you. We pray that you'd strengthen us. We acknowledge that we need your grace and we pray that you'd fill us with your love and your grace so that we together would display your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Now invite the... I need to come up for the closing song.